Welcome to the Littlestown Chapel Podcast. Make sure to check us out on the web at littlestownchapel.org. Now, we hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Joshua Stratton. F I ever got was not good. <laughs> well, hello. hello. Good morning. It is good to be with you. If you don't know me, my name is Pastor Josh. I'm the assistant pastor here, and I am also the youth pastor here. And every two months or so, they let me out of the basement <laughs> to come and talk with you. So I, I just uh, hope that God speaks through me anyway. No, um, so the last couple of weeks, we have been talking about the love of God. This is love, and obviously when we're in the Easter season, this is uh, the best thing to do is to focus on the redemptive love of, of Jesus Christ. And so I thought we would have a little bit of fun this morning and talk about something else that we love, and that is food. Uh, who doesn't love food? And I'm just curious how much you guys like your fast food. Uh, so we're going to play a little bit of a game here. So have some fun with this. Here's the instructions, okay? <clears throat> All right, so I'm going to show you a picture, and you're going to have to say, uh, just yell it out, you know, what fast food place it came from. It's very simple, okay? Don't let me down. I know. I've seen you in line, so... <laughs> Let's try this out. Let's see how good we can discern what fast food joint this comes from. Here we go. First one. That's the Big Mac. You see the special sauce? Yeah. All right, here. Let's see the next one here. The Burger King. Yeah, what's the giveaway? <laughs> it's, the, it's the fake grill marks there. That's the giveaway. All right, next one here. Next one. Yes, this is the crunch wrap. Yes, and the crunch wrap is one of the greatest things ever been, that's ever been created. Have you had the crunch wrap? I love the crunch wrap. I could live on crunch wraps. I don't care if the meat's not real, it's fantastic. <laughs> All right, next one here. This one's tricky. Any, I don't hear it. This is this, my, my buddy Johnny Penner needs. It's the double-double? Yeah. It's the In-N-Out Burger. Has anyone had an In-N-Out Burger? They haven't made it this way yet, but supposedly they're amazing. Would you, they're did you? fantastic. Fantastic. Okay. <laughs> All right, next one, next one here. Wendy's. Yes, you guys know your fast food real good. <laughs> hmm, this is tricky. Go ahead and show this. This is Arby's. Did you get that, Joe? I knew you would. <laughs> Subway, eat fresh, sorta. Yeah. Next one here. Ooh. What's that? Hardee's, yeah. I had to give a hint on the first service. 
All right, here, let's, I think there's one more here. No, there's two more. Ooh, Dairy Queen. That's right. Next one here. Oh, it's Denny's. This is the famous Grand Slam. <laughs> it's like all you can eat for a nickel. Ah, White Castles. That's right. This is this is one of my favorite things. You don't even need cheese on these things. The grease mixes with the top of the bun. It almost tastes like cheese. That's why they call them sliders. They just sort of slide in. I'm telling you, we we love White Castles. If you've been on a missions trip with me in the states, and we uh, okay, we I love White Castles. You've been on, when we went to Chicago this past summer. There was a White Castle right next to the church we were staying at, and and, and the GPS knew this and used it as a landmark. And it kept saying, "Turn right at the White Castles." So I just turned right into the White Castles. It's fantastic. You can buy these in a suitcase. You can get a suitcase of White Castles. Yes. Yeah, so, anywho, we play this fun game because it's, it's interesting how much that we can discern what's, where something comes from by just looking at it. And what we're going to be talking about today is that the love of God comes into our lives when we put our faith in Jesus Christ. This love comes into our lives and it transforms us. In fact, the scripture tells us that we are a new creation in uh, 2 Corinthians 5.17. And so when we are transformed by the love of Jesus Christ, that means then we look like him. We look like the love of Christ. And so this is something that we need to understand so that we can discern then who is in the love of Christ, who it has in some ways the authority to teach and, and grow us and people that we can trust and turn to. And also for ourselves, it's like a, a check, you know, are we following after the love of Christ? And so we're going to spend some time talking about this this morning, the transformative power of Jesus Christ and his love and how to discern that in our lives. So turn in your Bibles to 1 John. Turn in your Bibles to 1 John. We're going to look at chapter 3. Uh, 1 John chapter 3, verses 11 through 18. And that's on one thousand. 22 if you're using one of the Bibles here at church. And uh, let me give you a little bit of background here. John, the writer of the Gospel of John, um, is basically overseeing, he's an elder of a bunch of house churches, these churches in Ephesus, and there's been some, there's been some trouble there. The churches are struggling. There's a lot of um, dissension, uh, fighting, conflicts. Um, and there's been some false teachers that have come and basically walked away from the deity of Jesus Christ. And they're causing all kinds of troubles and they're creating um, a, a division in the church. And John is getting wind of this, and he wants to address it. And really, that's what 1 John, 2 John, 3 John is all about. And the first book here, uh, the first letter, if you will, reads almost like a, like a sermon 
um, talking about all of these issues and addressing it in a broad sense. And he keeps harping on the same things over and over throughout the book so that people can discern what truly is of God and what isn't, to push back and direct them to, um, to the love of, of, of Jesus Christ. And so uh, that's where we're coming from here. So we're, I want to pray and then we'll just dive right into this. Father God, I thank you so much for the opportunity uh, to dig into your word this morning, Lord. I thank you for bringing each and every one of us here, Lord God. I know that we're not here by accident, Lord, that you want to say something to us, Lord, that you would um, love to see us uh, just deeper uh, in a relationship with you, Lord, and to see us uh, just continuing in the transformation of our lives, Lord, for the name of Jesus Christ. Father, I know that I am inadequate, and I ask that you, by your Holy Spirit, would, would teach, uh, train each and every one of us, that none of us would leave here unchanged. And we pray these things in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. So I want to read this, and I'm just going to keep stopping and pausing and talking about it a little bit, and really just flesh out this uh, this passage of scripture here. And, and starting in verse 11, John says this to the churches there. He says, For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. And so John, and he, he says this other times throughout this letter, earlier in this letter, he kind of kicks it off saying, okay, so let's stop and go back. Here's the original message. Here's what we should be. We should be those that love one another. So let's go back to the basics. You need to kind of get past what these other people have said. You need to kind of get past all the hatred and all the things that have been going on in the church. And I want you to realign yourselves. Let's get back to the basics. Let's go back to the original message, focusing on the love of Jesus Christ, and then that we would then live that out. And this is super important because he, he knows how easy it is to get messed up and how easy it is to get distracted. And the same thing is in our life. But don't, don't think that you don't relate to this. There are so many voices in our world, in, on the TV, in our relationships. There's so many uh, different temptations in our lives. And God is constantly saying to us, and, the, and John is saying to this church very similarly, that we should realign ourselves. We've got to go back to the basics. Back to the basics. The love of Jesus Christ. And that we would look like that love. Because after all, if we stop and we look at the love of Jesus Christ, we will have all that we need for the decisions and for the actions and for the the choices that we we make day in and day out. So circle back to the truth over and over again. 
When you're seeking counsel, seek godly counsel in the choices that you make. When you're in the middle of a conflict, how does this measure up to the love of Jesus Christ that we too would be loving one another? When you're, you, you hear somebody teaching something or somebody explaining something, you know, it, does, it, does it line up? Is it something new that doesn't really line up with the message of the gospel? Is it false teaching? And this is this is very, very important because the heart is deceitful. The mind is weak. It needs to be transformed. That's what Romans 12 tells us. You've got to transform your mind. It needs to be renewed and so that you can understand the, the, the will of God and live out the will of God. The body needs to be put into submission Okay, because we, we easily drift from one place to another place. And today, maybe more than ever before, there's all these different messages coming into us from, from all over the place through relationships and through technology. And we've got to be clear. We've got to see the truth of the gospel and rest in it that we would love one another. Satan prowls around like a lion just looking to devour us and if we're not filling the day with the message of the gospel making the most of the opportunity the bible tells us that evil will we've got to buy back the time and turn to the gospel this is very 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 important that is why every Sunday we challenge each other, let's get here, let's hear the message, let's listen to the preaching of the word. That's why we're constantly harping on the idea that we need to be uh, doing Bible studies together and, 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 and having our own quiet times and just getting into the, to the gospel and to the message of Jesus Christ. It's, it's the reason why we have small groups. It's the reason why we do things like, like even worship music, that the message of the gospel is something that's, that we're interacting with and it's on our hearts and it's on our minds and we just rehearse it over and over and over again. And what is that message? It's the same message that Jesus said, recorded in the gospel of John, the night that he was betrayed and he goes up and he takes them to do the, takes his disciples to do the Passover, right? And that first communion was done and he reminds them of his sacrifice and he gets down on his hands and knees and cleans their feet. I want you to love like I love you. You've got to love one another. He takes his disciples down out of that room. They go into this garden and there's, there's like a vineyard there. There's like um, uh, vines and branches and these branches are bearing fruit and they're connecting to this brine. It says, you are like this. You're like a branch. And if you're connected to me, the vine, you will bear good fruit. I want you to be connected to me. I want you to love me. I want you to be in me. And if you are, that means you're obeying me. It means you trust me. It means you've given your life to me. It means that you will do what I say. And then he gives a command. And it's the only command he gives. If you love me, you'll follow my command. You know what the command is? 
Love one another. Love one another. That's the only command that Jesus gives. Love God. Love one another. Everything else flows from that. It just trickles down. This is the bare basics. This is what we need to know. And not just love one another, but specifically the church. And we'll talk more about that in a minute. So then he goes on. John goes on and he, he fleshes this out by giving a, a stark contrast, right? You got this, here's, here's what love isn't, here's what it is. And so he, he says in verse 12, he says, we should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his uh, brothers were righteous. Then he says, do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. We love other believers. Whoever does not love abides in death. So what he's saying here, he gives this stark contrast, right? God's love is over here. The opposite of God's love is murder. Right? It's the complete opposite. No one loves something they kill. That's ridiculous. In fact, it's not just that. It's, it's the mind. It's the heart. It's the intention. So you may not physically murder your brother, but if you hate him, if you do nothing for him, that's not God's love either. That's not the kind of love that we're talking about. And here's, here's the big thing. The only, the, the, the clear way that you can see whether we've passed out of death into life, the clear way that we can see that God is in you and that you have salvation and that you are a Christ follower is that you love your brother. Now, sometimes I think we focus in this passage on the extreme, like I'm, I'm a murderer and that's the worst thing, right? But he wants to pull us back to the reality that this, if we even hate our brother, and later on in the passage, he's saying if, we're not, if we don't even want to serve our, butter, our brother, the love of God is not in us. Now Cain, he gives the example of Cain. Cain isn't, I think we think of Cain like this, this, this horrible man that we don't relate to at all. But Cain actually was a religious man. Cain's parents, he, they, they walked 
with God. And after the first sin, and the sacrificial system began, and, and God showed the sacrifice, he said, this is, sin is so bad that it, it needs to be paid for. It takes a life, right? And so God sacrifices the first animal, showing them the depravity of their sin. He's bare witness to this through the testimony of his parents. He's a religious man. He wants to bring his offering to God. His brother did. Very similarly, the way that God asked him to, he brings a sacrifice to God. Abel does that. But in selfishness, Cain brings his sacrifice to God. It does not represent sin. It does not represent how bad sin was. He says, I want to worship on my own. I want to worship on what's easiest for me. And so he brings the sacrifice to God. You know what God says? You've missed the boat. I want you to do it the way I've asked you to. I want you to understand what you're doing. Like your brother did. And this stirs up in him because sin, he just keeps entertaining it and the bitterness gets control of him and takes control just as God warned him in Genesis chapter four. And then Cain takes his brother's life. In this passage, I think John wants us to see this, and we don't see this without looking at the original language. Because in the first uh, line there, in, in verse 12, he says, And he was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And that word murder there is the actual word of a sacrificial slitting of the throat. It's a dramatic word that John is using to show you that even the religious worship of this man, Cain, was turned and used for evil. Because on that day, when his bitterness had taken over, he stood there behind his brother and grabbed him and slit his throat. And he did that because that was, that was the sacrifice. He did that cursing God, saying, you want a sacrifice? Here you go. You don't think my sacrifice is okay? You want a sacrifice of blood? Here you go. And the darkness of sin took over him and took his brother's life. And what was meant to represent God was used completely backwards. Now maybe this is hard to relate to 
But I think we do this kind of stuff. Not murdering our brother. But we take our sinfulness and our pride and we hide it in religion. But religion, without love, hates people. And I think about the the temperament of our culture and even the, the church towards the world around it. I think about even the way we treat ourselves here sometimes in conflicts and, 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 and arguments. And we're so quick to throw around the name of God like this is God's will. But religion without love looks like Cain. And it is absent of God. The church is susceptible to this. You think that it's not, but it is. And generation after generations, we've seen this play out under the banner of Christianity, like the Crusades or slavery. I went to uh, the Bible Museum recently, um, and they have an exhibit there on the bottom floor and it really moved me. And I saw this news clip of it, and I want to share it with you. you it's shocking sometimes just how far um, we can drift from the true love of God. This is, this is very important for us to understand. Because if we don't, we are susceptible to things just like this. Obviously, slavery was not that long ago. And, and, and the horrors of this was justified in the ranks of the church. And Bibles were edited and books taken out. It just blows my mind. Guys, it scares me. Where in our lives, right now, is our pride and our our bitterness taking over and throwing the love of God to the side. This, it, it breaks my heart. Relationships have been destroyed. People have walked away from God all in the name of Jesus, right? That they pass these Bibles out. And John goes on, and look here in verse 16. And he says, love doesn't look like this, but it does look like this. And in verse 16, he says this, by this we know love, that he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for our brother love should never look like hatred the church should never support dissension and division what he's saying here is the message of the gospel 
is forgiveness and redemption and reconciliation. And yet that's not what they're seeing in the area of Ephesus. And I think in our day and age, one of the greatest distractions of the gospel in the church is our relationships. You see, relationships really matter on multiple levels. Relationships matter. And this means if we truly want to live out the gospel, if we truly say we're transformed by the message of the gospel, that means that, that we have to do everything we can to forgive and reconcile with our brothers. This is an epidemic in the church. And I've been, I've been serving here for um, uh, almost 16 years now. And I can't tell you how many people have come, committed to the congregation, and then left. And left because they couldn't get along with somebody. Now, I know there's good reasons to leave a church. There's, there's justified reasons, reasons of doctrine. But I want to challenge each and every one of us that the gospel is all about forgiveness and reconciliation. And the love of Jesus Christ is joy, peace, patience, gentleness, and self-control. And yet sometimes when somebody has wronged us, we hit the ceiling. Some of the greatest damage I've ever seen has been over pride and division in a church. Some of, the, some of the kids that have come through my program, one of the most difficult things that they've had to deal with is their parents taking them and going from one church to another church and never reconciling. And they look back on this and say, is this the love of Christ? We've been burned over here. And they've never, they've, they've never made amends. Now, you think maybe this, this is just a, a, a small fraction of the church. But that's not true. Statistically speaking, church, not church plants, brand new churches, but churches that have been established for 10 years or more. Between 80 and 90% of its growth in the church in America is simply people leaving one church and going to another. That should blow our minds. And here's why this is so, so difficult and, and damaging is because the way the world knows who God is is through the relationships. It's through the love that the church has for itself. The entirety of the New Testament, you, you go from uh, uh, Acts back through 
Read it. I, I, I'm telling you, most of it is about the church learning how to love itself. Because the church is the body of Christ, the body of Christ, the physical representation of Jesus Christ. And if you want to know God, then you look at the church. But if the church doesn't love itself, if the church can't take care of itself, if the church hates itself, if the church is constantly divided and switching churches, and fights are happening that never get reconciled. Now, obviously, we're not perfect people. There's going to be problems. There's going to be big fights. But we can work through it. It's the power of the transformed heart. It's the nature of the love of God that is patient, that never fails. Sometimes we give up too easily. And then what happens is, not only do we not know who God is, we miss big things about who Jesus is and the power of his love. But the world doesn't get it either. Sometimes I wonder if our society is struggling so bad because we don't love each other. This is huge. And back to the story of Cain, the religious man, we do a lot of these things in the name of God. Sometimes we, we, we leave a church or, or harbor bitterness and act on it and we say, it was God's will. God's calling me somewhere else. Now look, I know we all got different situations, different places we come from. I'm not specifically talking about your situation, although maybe I am. But what I am saying, when we see a statistic where 80 to 90% of church growth is people going from one church to another, we got a problem. And we need to go back to the basics. We need to go back to the love of Jesus Christ that we too would love like he loved us. This is huge. Do everything you can to reconcile. And when you reconcile, do everything you can to love each other. It looks like this. Laying down your rights. That's what Jesus did. You think you got a problem with somebody? You think somebody's hurt you? You think somebody's walked all over you? You think somebody is wrong? Think about God and us who've rebelled against him, who say, I don't need you. We've walked away from him, hating him. And you know what he does? He sacrifices himself for us. He laid down his rights because he had every right to say, boom, and start over. But he doesn't because that's who he is. He is love. And so in his love, he sacrifices himself and gives us the opportunity to come back. 
And here's the cool thing. His arms are wide open. He doesn't just say, well, I forgive you. He says, come back to me. Be reconciled to me. Have a relationship with me. How beautiful is the message of Jesus Christ. That's the God I want to serve. That's the God I want to give my life to. Do everything you can to reconcile in all of our relationships. And he continues, love looks like this. In verse 17, if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet chooses, but closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? And obviously the answer is, it doesn't. It doesn't. God's love is over here. Murder, hatred, abuse, doing nothing over here. God's love is self-sacrificing, forgiving, patient. God's love is about reconciliation and care and making sure that what I have can add value to my brother. And specifically, we're talking about the church here. Again, because when the church loves itself, everybody wins. Everybody gets a beautiful picture of Jesus Christ. And it transforms this world. And I want to be a part of that. And I know you do too. And this means something very specific. The kind of love that he's talking about here, it means we got to get involved. It means we got to put ourselves out there. It means we got to build these relationships. Nobody cares for something they don't know about. The church, our church is what, 250 people? We average 250. I, I, I'm obsessed with number stuff. We average 250 people a week. But connected to the church, we're talking about 400. In fact, on a Sunday, Easter Sunday, we're near 400. You better believe you can walk in here and walk out of here and feel like you've done church and not connected with anybody. This can't be. You don't love something you don't know. You can't love something you don't know. You don't even know what the needs are. And not only that, if you don't know somebody, you're not moved to help them. That's why our relationships here matter. That's why we're always saying, get involved in a growth group or something like that so that you can build relationships with the church. It's huge. How can you care for something you don't know about? For 20 years, a buddy of mine uh, named Gary Greco, he's been telling me about this ministry that he goes and serves in in Jamaica with this pastor Raphael. He's told me many, many different times. Well, Things have worked out, and you know that this summer we're going to Jamaica with the student ministry. And uh, a couple of weeks ago, you probably, I hope some of you noticed I wasn't here. And um, we went, I went down to Jamaica to spend uh, four days with this family. It was really cool. I got to, 
um, get to know their family. I got to go to the church. I got to preach there. I got to see they have this school. This, this ministry is doing this really cool school. They, they preach the gospel every week, every day to these kids. And I got to see where we're going to be staying. And, and uh, I just, it was, God really cultivated my heart for them. And one of the things that really like clicked as, as I was coming home, we were driving back to the airport and I thought, I want to bless the family because they've been driving me to the airport and back. And so I, I told him, I said, hey, can I fill up your tank? I'm going to fill up your tank. And he says, okay. And he goes out and he tells the attendant to put gas in it. And he comes back and says, how much do you want to put in? I said, just fill it up. And he, and he goes out and talks to the attendant again and he comes back and he says, what if we put 5,000 in? That sounds like a lot, but the Jamaican dollar, it's like a like $1,000 is like, I don't know, $8. <laughs> so it's really weird. And I said, no, nah, just fill it up, mon. <laughs> and, he, and so he goes back out, you know, and he gets to like $8,000. And he comes back to me and, and says, I don't think, I, it's 8000 man. And I'm like, just fill it up, mon. And so he, he fills it up some more, and then he comes back and says, I ended up cutting it off at 9000 because I just don't feel comfortable. And I'm like, whatever, that's fine. And, uh, but it, it mostly filled up the tank anyway. And so I paid for it, and we get back in the car, and we're driving down the road, and he says, I hope my car's going to be okay. And I said, why? He's like, well, it might blow up. I've never had a full tank of gas. <laughs> <laughs> I laughed a little bit, but then I sat there and I thought, I'm like, huh, that's, that's crazy. I don't want gas, I just fill it up. And I, my heart, like, just was captivated for these people and this ministry and this opportunity, right? But I would, that would only happen if I was with them. And I'm not saying you got to go halfway across the country or you got to go to another world <laughs> to do this. What I'm trying to tell you is nobody really serves what they don't know. Your heart has to be captivated for people. You've got to stick yourself out there a little bit and get to know somebody. That's what love is. We need to love the church like Christ loves the church, gives himself up for her. We need to love the church like a, a husband loves his wife and vice versa. Nobody has a good marriage and they don't know each other. They can't take care of each other's needs. We've got to put our place, we've got to put ourselves in a place so that we can serve one another. Because you've got abilities, you've got talents, you've got resources that can bless and add value to one another. And when it does, we become the beautiful representation of Jesus Christ to each other and the world. And this is how he closes it. Look at verse 18. Little children... Children of God, he makes this argument earlier in the letter, let us not love in word and talk, but in deed 
and in truth. What I'm telling to you, don't hang it on the shelf. I know you're good at that. We love to give lip service to it. But we aren't transformed until we do it. And so this is what we got to do, friends. We've got to get real about our relationships. Relationships matter. We've got to reconcile. Do everything you can to reconcile. Put yourself in a position to serve and add value to your brother and your sister. And line everything you do up to the gospel. Bring it back to the basics as often as possible. Would you pray with me? Father God, I thank you so much for uh, your word this morning. Father, I pray that um, you would help some of us today. We need to make a phone call. Humble ourselves, lay our rights down, and reconcile. Lord, give us the heart of forgiveness that we may look like the love of Jesus. Father God, I pray that we would constantly come back to the truth of the gospel and that this church would be a church that is known for overcoming battles in our midst relationally, Lord God, that people would see us and think, wow, that is the love of Jesus Christ, whether they like it or not. Lord God, may this church be a beacon of light. For our crucified Savior, who rose from the grave, conquered sin and death, and offered new life. So Father, I, I ask these things in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen.